Welcome to episode 24, where I interview Nicole Khalil about how to gain confidence and keep it. She shares her top five confidence derailers, as well as the top five confidence builders, and then we light some shit on fire. Welcome to This Shit Works, your weekly no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and way more success with your host, Julie Brown. Here we go. We've all heard the line, act like you've been here before. Networking and business is all about projecting the confidence that you have in yourself, your experience, and your talents. Walking into a room full of people that you have never met can be intimidating. It takes a level of confidence to do it and do it effectively. The same goes for speaking up and sharing your opinions or ideas in a work meeting. It takes belief in yourself. It takes confidence. But confidence is not innate. No one is born confident. It's an ability that is acquired and then approved upon over time. Being able to not just project confidence, but to really believe in yourself will help you gain credibility. Make a kick-ass first impression, a kick-ass second impression, a kick-ass third impression, It will serve to help you overcome personal and professional challenges should those arise. So if confidence looks so good on you, why do so many people struggle with self-confidence and self-belief? And the confident people, what if they had discovered that you don't know yet? What is their secret to being confident? To answer these questions, I've asked Nicole Khalil to join us. Let's just say Nicole is more than slightly obsessed with confidence and what it takes to both build it and keep it. Building her own confidence led her to become the first female chief development officer in the 160-year history of the Fortune 500 company that she worked at prior to starting her own company, that is. A company where she has coached hundreds of executives and entrepreneurs and travels the country to speak to leaders about the not-so-secret secrets of confidence. You know what I hate? I hate gurus or so-called experts who teach fluff who tell us that we need to be confident, that we have to believe in ourselves. They sprout quippy one-liners and Instagrammable quotes without ever teaching us how to achieve what they tell us we so desperately need. Well, you don't have to worry about that today because Nicole is the real deal Holyfield and you will leave this podcast with aha moments and actionable steps to start building your confidence today. Nicole, hello my friend. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me, Julie. It is uh, literally my favorite thing to talk about. And I'm so thrilled to be able to talk about it with you. So let's dive right in. And, you know, everybody has different definitions for things and define words in different ways. So how do you define confidence? Yeah. So it took me a while to come up with this definition, but the way I define confidence is when you know who you are, you own who you're not, and you choose to embrace all of it. So that's my definition. Um, Easier said than done. And one of the things that I loved that you said in the intro, because it was a pet peeve of mine, is when people tell you to be things or to do things, but they don't really tell you how or what to avoid or what might some of the pitfalls be, that type of thing. So I have spent the greater part of my adult lifetime, really figuring out how one builds confidence. Cause you're right. 
we're not born with it. It is a skill that can be developed. It is something that we can all grow. Uh, none of us, you know, we're born with more or less, which I think is really exciting news about confidence. Mm. Anybody who listens to my podcast know that every single one of my podcasts, no matter the subject is steeped in a deep sort of understanding of the science and the studies behind what I'm talking about. So were there studies that said, okay, everybody is born with the same level of confidence. And then what you do in your life helps you achieve a greater sense of confidence and self and self-belief. There's varying opinions out there. I think confidence is a hard thing to measure and to study. So one of the books that I've read called The Confidence Code by Caddy Kay, and there's a co-author whose name escapes me and I apologize, but they partnered with a researcher to study this. Is confidence actually in our DNA? Is there a gene for it? And to make a long story short, there may be a possibility that there is a gene or something in our, coded in our DNA that may trigger more natural confidence. But through studies, they've determined that if that exists, it would only contribute at most to 25% of our actual confidence. The rest of it is learned behavior. It's how we were raised, parents, significant others, exes, bosses, all of these people contribute to our feelings about ourselves and ultimately uh, in what evolves into our confidence or lack thereof. It sounds a lot like, so I, I, I've been researching the inner critic and imposter syndrome, and that sort of sounds like a lot of the ways that we create an inner critic. It's this sort of compilation in this loop of the voices that we hear in our formative years, you know, how people talk to us. Words have weight and we believe what people say about us. So all of that aside, what can someone do to build their own confidence? Are there tricks to building your confidence? Yes. So um, I've sort of created, and and there's more to it than this, but just the simplified version is I believe there are five primary confidence derailers, things that knock us off course, chip away at our confidence, do damage to whatever confidence may exist inside of us already. And then there are five fundamental confidence builders, things that we can be mindful of, things that we can do, tactics we can leverage that will actually help us build our confidence. And and I always use the analogy, confidence is a little bit like climbing a big mountain, right? So depending on what you're up to professionally, personally, where it is that you want to gain more confidence. I always ask, what would you do with more confidence? Because that's a different answer for all of us. And we may feel confident in some areas of our life and not in others or desire confidence for this one particular goal, but not need it so much for something else. So confidence is a very personal thing, but these builders will help us all get there more effectively and efficiently because one commodity we don't have enough of is time, right? So I I really wanted to figure out how we build it in the most impactful and effective way. So what are some of those builders, the five builders? The number one, first and foremost, and I've yet to find 
anyone who disagrees with this and all of my research and observations and experience, but the number one confidence builder is action. We cannot think our way into confidence. We can act our way into confidence. So if you think about what it is that you, how you would answer what you would do with more confidence, maybe it's go for that job promotion. Maybe it's start a business. Maybe it's walk toward a relationship. Maybe it's walk away from one, whatever it is that you would do with more confidence. Think about that thing. And how do you climb a mountain? One step at a time. How do you break that down into action steps? I think sometimes when we think about that thing, it seems so big or so Mm -hmm. far away or so insurmountable, but the key really is we build confidence step by step, little risks built up over time, build to big confidence. It's the same way you learn anything you practice. Yeah. That reminds me when I first started public speaking about, it was about four years ago, a little over four years ago now. I didn't know that I was going to be a public speaker. I didn't know I was going to be asked to start speaking on my subject of expertise. And when I started speaking, I wouldn't sleep the night before. I was so nervous and I would stay up and I would go over what I had to say in my speech the next day over and over and over again. And I think back now that like my calendar is filled with public speaking events and I don't even think about it. I'm like, oh, I'm speaking in a couple of days. Okay, let me just make sure I have my deck ready. And so that that rings true for me because I didn't have I had never done it. So I didn't I wasn't immediately confident that I would be a good public speaker. But then with feedback from the audience and repetition, it. I know that I'm a good speaker now. I know that I can connect with an audience. Oh, but at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good example. I I had a keynote where there was about a thousand people in the room. And I remember a friend going, how can you do that? And I'm like, well, I didn't start by talking in front of a thousand people. I started by talking in front of two in a training room. Right. And, And I was nervous as I'll get out. But those little risks built up over time lead to build big confidence. And if you think about it logically, Julie, I actually think you said this in a podcast that you did where you were the guest on my podcast was, you know, we wouldn't expect if if I handed my daughter a guitar and said, start playing, we wouldn't expect her to be good at it, right? She would need to practice. She would need to learn the basics and the fundamentals, and then you get good over time. So the Exact same principle applies to confidence, but my daughter couldn't sit and think about being a good guitar player and expect to become one. You actually have to do it. (laughs) Action. Yeah. You can't think your way into changing something or becoming something. Yeah. Right. That may be a meditator. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, but I think ironically, the part about meditating, you're supposed to stop thinking. Stop thinking. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So Yeah. um, I interviewed a woman the other day who said during meditation, she enters what she calls the gap. Yes. And, and I'd never heard it before, but she described it as it's when you don't have thoughts, like you're just there. And I was like, Jesus, I have never (laughs) been in the gap. Oh my gosh. It's so hard getting the, you know, voice in my head to quiet is one of my more challenging tasks. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So number one is action. What are a couple other ones that that people can take immediately? So the second confidence builder usually surprises people and it's failure. Failure builds confidence if you choose it, if you let it. Because failure in and of itself is a neutral event. 
how do we know that? Because what I see as a failure, you might not see as a failure. What I think is a big failure, somebody else might see as a small, vice versa. We bring meaning to the events in my life. My coach, Lisa Kalman, has taught me this in, in so many ways, but very specifically with failure, we're choosing an interpretation of an event that happened, right? And we can choose to see it as a failure and and make it mean bad things about us, or we can choose to see that exact same event as a learning lesson, an opportunity, a gift. Uh, Okay, now I know what not to do. That's good information to have as I move forward. Failure also is rarely as bad as we think it's going to be. So the sort of fear, fear of failure thing comes up. When we think about doing something, we often go worst case scenario in our mind. Yeah. That very rarely happens. Exactly. What about best case scenario? Do we spend as much time thinking about that? So failure builds confidence if you choose it, if you let it, because you begin to collect evidence that you can recover and, and that you will come out better and that this event served a purpose for you. And and so not that I've learned to enjoy failure or anything like that, but I relate to it much differently now than I did um, in my younger years. I always say you can't learn from your mistakes if you don't make any. And we're supposed to be learning from our mistakes. And I know some of the most important lessons I learned in, in my business in the, you know, over the 21 year course of doing business development the ones that stick with me were the ones where I was like, oh, I really did that. Like, I, I won't do that again. Like, and you don't, you make it a point, like you will never not be prepared or you will never like, um, you take those lessons and those, yeah, they sting in the moment, but they really do help you. Yeah. And, And the other thing is no matter how much they sting, no matter how bad they are, no matter what it's separate from your inherent value. I think sometimes we interact with our failures as if they define us or they say something about who we are as humans. And, sure. and that's just not the case. It's an event that happens, but it doesn't do anything to diminish your worth or value as a human on this planet. <laughs> if you find yourself experiencing failure or having an event as that, asking yourself, what's another way to see this? Mm-hmm. What can I learn from this? What, you know, if this was God or the universe giving me an opportunity or a lesson, how, how can I relate to it in that way? So it, like everything takes practice, but um, the next confidence builder is giving yourself grace along the journey. And that's sort of a two-parter. Number one, understanding that confidence is a journey. You will never arrive at this place called confidence and be able to set up camp and never leave. Anybody who tells you they feel confident all the time in all aspects of their life should no longer be listened to because that's just complete bullshit. I can curse on this podcast. hundred percent. Right? <laughs> okay. So you sure as shit can. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, I mean, that's total bullshit. So understanding that it's a journey and that you are going to have moments and times where you feel very confident and sometimes where you don't. And, and because of that, it's imperative that we give ourselves grace. I often think, what would I say to somebody I love? Because 
we, we should love ourselves first and foremost. So if I'm not feeling confident in a particular area or if I've messed up or whatever, how can I say kind and empowering things to myself versus beating myself up, kicking myself when I'm down, you know, all, all of that stuff. So practicing gentle ways to talk to yourself. There's a quote and it's unknown. So I wish I could attribute it to somebody, but it's, you spend the bulk of your life inside your own head. You might as well make it a nice place to be. Yeah. And, and I think that says it better than ever, than I ever could. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. self compassion I think 2021 should be the year of self-compassion. Yeah. Like we've, oh, we've been sure. through the ringer. Let's be good to ourselves. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't know if there's ever been a year <laughs> that we've needed to practice giving grace more than, than this one. And, and you know, there's an element of empathy in that as well. Um, the fourth confidence builder, and this is going to sound like sort of obvious. So give me a second on this, but it's choosing confidence. And I think the important distinction here is that confidence isn't a feeling as much as it is a choice. There's that old adage, fake it till you make it. I hate that. Choose it till you feel it. The idea that in any given moment, any one of us can choose confidence, even if we're not feeling it. And that's been one of the coolest things I've gotten to witness and, and my professional work and working with so many leaders and entrepreneurs and, and executives and all that is watching people choose confidence at times where they're not feeling it or all the evidence might say, maybe you shouldn't feel confident. It, it's so inspiring and empowering. And ultimately what it does is it creates pride in yourself which of course builds confidence when you, Julie, I'm sure you've experienced this where you might be having a day where things aren't coming together. Or I have days where like, it doesn't seem like my brain and my mouth are connected. And then on that day, I have to do a keynote or I have to do a podcast or something like that. It's like, I don't get to go, oh, I'm having a bad day. So, you know, it's not going to go very well. I have to very purposefully, very strategically choose confidence when I walk into those and I'm sure there are a bazillion examples that you could give as well. Um, but that, yeah, I I just interviewed this woman who is a positive psychology coach. And so she helps people find happiness. like, that's her thing. She wants everybody to be happy. And she said there's silver bullets to happiness. And one of the things you just said rings true to what she said. She, she said, there's the, I am statement. And the I am statement followed by how you want to describe yourself, how you want to see yourself. I am confident. I am funny. I am capable. Like you, you use the I am statement. And she says, she also is a keynote speaker. And she said, before she gets on stage, she re she has memorized her I am statement and she says her I am statement. So it's, you know, I suppose confident people are happier than people who lack confidence. So those two kind of go, those two bullets go hand in hand. I, that would make sense to me. And, and the exercise actually um, is completely aligned with one that I work through myself. And, and when I coach people specifically on confidence, it's a things I know to be true about me at this point in my life. And, and you're just writing down lots of I am statements. I am a good decision maker. I am somebody who says what they mean and means what they say. I am, 
committed to my family. I am, and there's so much power in words, but there's also so much power in us connecting with ourselves. That first part of the, my definition of confidence is when you know who you are. Mm-hmm. And so this list of things I know to be true about me has been really helpful. I always go to that when I have to choose confidence when I'm not feeling a reminder of who I am. Yeah. It Um, sounds a lot also like my list yourself approach in my book. So I always say for people to prepare to go into networking events, they have to remember how amazing they are. So make a list of all of the things that make you who you are in this world and you know, what you like to do in this world. It sounds very, very similar. Yeah. Your list yourself approach to networking has been a complete game changer for me because networking has always been something I avoided and, and the awkward, you know, like, what do you do? Um, that stuff just does not sit well with me. And so your approach has literally changed my feelings, my experience, my outcomes of networking. Oh, that's awesome. I love to hear that. (laughs) Okay. So we have one more, we have one more builder. That's right. It's the understanding, awareness, and mindfulness that confidence is built from the inside out. I think so often we have the misconception and the mixed message or the the untrue message that confidence is something that comes to us from the outside in. If I get that promotion, then I'll feel confident. If I get those compliments, then I'll feel conf- uh, confident. If I looked good in this dress or if I fit into this size or the list goes on forever, right? It's uh, if this, then I will feel confident. And that's crazy talk, really, if we think about building confidence externally. If confidence is going to come to you via compliments or achievements or whatever, you feel good temporarily when you achieve it, but it wears off very quickly. And then you become addicted to chasing that feeling. And that's not confidence. It's um, actually one of the confidence derailers is seeking confidence externally. So, so let's talk about that. So let's talk about the derailers. So if one is, one is probably seeking confidence externally, like finding your worth and how other people view you. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Validation, attention, compliments, achievements, proving ourselves to others, all of that stuff, likes on social media, that is all examples of one of the confidence derailers, which is this seeking of confidence from the outside and thinking it'll go in. Mm-hmm. So that's one. The other four are perfectionism. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you laugh because you know it's true, right? <laughs> oh, I know it's true because um so I was clinically diagnosed with perfectionist OCD. This ha- this was 10 years ago. I was going through a really stressful time, anxiety, stress, health problems due to it. And I had to see a stress counselor and the, I had to journal like while I was stressed and I had to turn in my journals. And then, and then one day I came to therapy and there was like, well, we've, we've talked to another specialist and I'm like, oh, I'm really fucked up. And then she was like, no, <laughs> she was like, no, you, you have perfectionist OCD and we have to treat that differently. We have to teach you that it's not just black and white, that there's a gray area too. And the gray area is okay. So Yeah. 
Yeah. Again, I work predominantly with women and perfectionism runs rampant among us and myself included. I'm a type A kind of control freak. So this one has been a big challenge for me. But if action is the number one confidence builder, then perfectionism is the number one confidence derailer. I've heard it said that perfectionism is the enemy of confidence. And and I agree that it's that strong. Ultimately, what we're doing is we're holding ourselves to unrealistic expectations that we have no hopes of actually achieving. And then, of course, when we fall short, because there's no hope of actually achieving it, then we beat ourselves up, which, again, when you think about it like that, doesn't make any sense. And it's very obviously not healthy. But I think for a lot of us, we think we need to do it all. We need to have it all. We need to be it all. And we're supposed to look good while we're doing it. And it's (laughs) supposed to look effortless and all of this stuff. And it's like, it, it just doesn't work. And so you spend so much energy on how things look versus how they are. And, and that totally separates you from yourself, which is why it, it chips away your confidence. Yeah, I can, I can see that a hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. The next confidence derailer is what I call head trash. You talked about it already, the inner critic or that voice in your head. I I call it head trash. It's the stuff we say to ourselves about ourselves that is never kind and very rarely true. A good distinction between head trash or your inner critic versus your internal knowing or your internal voice is how it talks to you. Your internal knowing, your internal voice may challenge you or may point out that you're off track or whatever, but it will always do it in a loving way. Head trash is the horrible things that we say to ourselves that we would literally never say to another person that we loved. And, you know, it, it really chips away at our confidence for obvious reasons. If your voice is saying you're not good enough, you're not this enough, you're not talented enough, smart enough, this and that, you know, that's a very obvious reason why we might not feel confident. One of the tricks I use is I tell people to get a picture of themselves when they were like five or six. And like, I was cute. I was a cute fucking kid, like long ponytails, like, this big, these big teeth and this big smile, like on that little face. And I always say like, would you talk to yourself? If you were that little kid, would you talk to that little kid like that? And if you wouldn't, you need to find another way to, to express whatever is happening in your head. Yeah. It's such a great, great tactic. I similar, I you know, bring to mind your daughter, your sister, your best mm-hmm. friend. What would you say to her? If, you know, uh, so yes, that's a really good way, I think, of you know, creating more kindness with yourself. Another thing too, is really just to acknowledge and name it. So when something flies into your head like that, oh, I, I know what that is. That's my head trash. Mm-hmm. And like my regular trash, I have an option to throw it away and let go of it forever. I have the option to recycle it reuse it in some way that is hopefully better or compost it, use it for my growth or or something along those lines, but letting trash live in your home Hmm. and never doing anything with it 
doesn't make any sense in the same way letting those thoughts live in your head. Um, the next confidence derailer is judgment and comparison. Yeah. I'm sure judgment and comparison existed prior to social media, but social media has just made it so much easier. And whether you're, when you judge other people, whether you're judging them and coming out ahead, like at least I'm not as bad as this person or that person's such an idiot or whatever. If we judge people and it makes us feel better about ourselves or we judge people and we feel worse, you know, why haven't I accomplished this? This person's so much further ahead. They have perfect homes and well-behaved kids. Why don't I? <laughs> However way you slice it, it chips away at our own confidence. Judgment always chips away at confidence and, and comparison feeds that head trash. That I think critic. this is the big, oh, such a big one right now because, you know, and I think about people feel bad about their lives because it doesn't look like somebody else's life online when their life is falling apart behind the scenes, yeah. you know, and I've seen this firsthand, you know, <laughs> and how do we stop? How do we, how can you train yourself to maybe not be on social media feeds all the time? Or maybe if you see a social media feed to not feel like you're in a competition with, with, somebody you might not even know, or, yeah. you know, like, how do we stop that? That is a vicious loop. Oh, it's so vicious. And I wish I had the answer. I, I will tell you some things that I do or that I've worked with other people to do is first of all, if you catch yourself in the, why doesn't my life look like that? The next thing you should say to yourself is, well, their life doesn't look like that either. <laughs> right? Don't compare your behind the scenes to somebody else's highlight reel. And yeah. that's what we see on social media is everybody's highlight reels, right. even the obstacles and the challenges and whatever that people share on social media, they almost always share it after the fact, right? This is the big struggle that I dealt with and here's how I overcame it. And therefore I'm inspired. It's like, we don't really get to experience and see when people are in their things. And so mm. we're comparing our regular old day-to-day -day lives to somebody else's top moments. And of course, we're going to come back out, you know, feeling, feeling less than. Mm. So, you know, just that, you know, gentle reminder to ourselves, we're comparing apples and airplanes. Like there is just like, there's <laughs> no... <laughs> it's not even apples and oranges. It's right. apples and airplanes. It's so disconnected, right? And then... Also, I sometimes, okay, so what is this giving me insight to in my desires? Was there something that this is kicking up in me? And, and, and again, what's a empowering or productive way to engage with that? Sure. Yeah. So we have one more derailer, right? Yes. Yes. Overthinking, overprocessing, <laughs> overruminating, over whatever you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's um, this thing that we do. And ultimately the problem is overthinking leads to inaction. Exactly. Yeah. And inaction leads to regrets. You know, if you talk about people later in life and ask what their biggest regrets are nine times out of 10, you're going to hear things that they didn't do yeah. risks. They didn't take dreams. They didn't chase conversations. They didn't have forgiveness. They didn't give whatever more often than not. It's our inaction that creates our biggest regrets. And also action being the number one confidence builder, yeah. it makes sense that when we over-process, overthink, let the hamster wheel of our brains run rampant, that it's going to ultimately chip away 
at our confidence. Those yeah, are the you five can, derailers. <laughs> you can think your way out of anything. Like you convince your, convince yourself not to do something way. It's so much easier to convince yourself not to do something to convince yourself to do something, especially something scary. Absolutely. Well, and if I put fear and doubt in the driver's seat, I won't ever do anything. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, I like I, fear. I like fear as a catalyst. Like yes. I like fear as an energy. Yes. But not as something that stops me from doing something. Yeah. I often say I have never accomplished anything worth doing, anything great, anything profitable, anything productive that didn't involve a, a pretty healthy dose of both excitement, energizing vision and fear, doubt. Yeah. Both of those things always exist when you do anything worthwhile, anything new, anything risky, anything great. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not at all saying that fear and doubt doesn't have its place and that it shouldn't be acknowledged and embraced. It's just when we f- fall into the overthinking part of it, I think that's when we basically have handed the wheel over to fear and doubt and just said, you know, you take it from here because we're not doing anything at this point. Yeah. And you said something at the beginning of the interview that I thought was really great. You said you you can have confidence in certain areas of your life and not have confidence in other areas of your life. So it doesn't mean like just because you're lacking confidence in one particular part of your life right now doesn't mean you're not a confident person. It doesn't mean that you have you haven't built confidence in other parts of your life. You just have to work on the parts that you aren't confident in. Absolutely. And I think it's a good news. It's a good sign if you are confident in some aspects of your life, because you know, the skill lives within you. I I fundamentally believe we all have confidence inside of us. Some of us haven't connected with it in a very long time, or some of us only access it in certain aspects of our life. But the fact that it's there and you have accessed it in certain parts of your life means that you can access it in others. And again, just takes practice, action, and really focusing on the builders and being very conscious of the derailers. Or Because if you're not paying attention to the derailers and only focused on the builders, I find you might end up feeling like you're on that hamster wheel. You're doing a lot of work, but you're not really getting anywhere because the derailers keep pulling you back. Yeah. So you mentioned this somewhere in the middle that this is not an end game. This is not like one day we are going to do all of these builders and we're going to shut out the derailers and we're going to just have confidence and it's going to stay with us. Yeah. Um, is the key to keeping that confidence constantly being aware of the derailers, but also pushing ourselves with the builders. Is that how we keep that confidence going forward? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, doing 10 things at once can seem pretty overwhelming. What I would suggest is we all kind of, again, have our own flavor. So all of the derailers impact me at certain times in certain areas of my life. But ultimately, my biggest challenge is the perfectionism head trash. It's the one-two punch for me. And then for me, the builders that are the most impactful and the biggest difference makers for me is re- um, what, what's the word? Uh, reestablishing my relationship with failure and, and seeing it in a completely different way and, and the giving myself grace. That's been a lesson, an ongoing lesson. But yes, to your question, Julie, 
there is no arrival point. You're never done, but it, it's work worth doing and sure. investing in all the time. Yeah. So if people want to learn more about how they can work with you or your programs that you offer, I know you have an online course. Um, yep. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I have an online co- course called This Is Confidence. It basically digs way deeper into the derailers, into the builders, into the things you know to be true about you, creating a recovery plan for the tough days. You can find that on my website, nicolekhalil.com. There's an online course tab. You can find the podcast there. Um, Yeah. I said, definitely check out the podcast. (laughs) It's, I mean, I know you feel the same. It's so much fun to do. It, it, it's been the highlight of, of my year in 2020. Yes, I agree. I didn't start my podcast till 2020, um, that latter part of 2020, because I was like, well, what am I going to do with all this time when I would have been traveling around the country speaking? Right. And I got to tell you, th- this was another thing for me. I, I wanted to be a podcast you know, host. I wanted to have a podcast. I didn't have a lot of faith in myself being able to do it, but I took a course and I learned and I made imperfect actions every day. And it has been one of the most wonderful things um, to happen to me. It, you know, it was the wonderfulest, most wonderful thing of 2020 because I, again, I'm a networking coach and I'm all about meeting people. And I got to meet people like you and people around the country that I never would have had access to if I didn't have this platform. And it's just, it just goes to show that moving out of that comfort zone, every, every episode isn't perfect but I get them out there every week and I make an appointment with the listeners and I'm having so much fun with it. Oh my gosh, me too. And Julie, you were a guest on, on my podcast. The podcast is called This Is Woman's Work, but um, your episode was my fourth most listened to episode of the year, um, which was a ton of fun. Um, And and the only quick thing I want to add is based on some feedback for the online course, the digital course, This Is Confidence, um, we're going to begin in 2021 offering facilitated options. So women could go through the course as a group, either with women they don't know that have just been compiled or with women they do like, uh, you know, coworker group or a friend group. I think building confidence together, it, it can be really helpful. Yeah. Um, and I will put links to all of that in the show notes. This has been wonderful. I've loved this conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. My pleasure. I love every time I get to connect with you, Julie. Thank you. I've got to be honest. I feel more confident just having that conversation with Nicole, understanding the specific confidence derailers and realizing how many of them I actually do to myself on a daily basis and how those are the things that are chipping away at my confidence. Like what Pam Garamone said about happiness being an inside job, so too is confidence. We aren't going to find it on our Facebook wall or in the number of likes we get on our Instagram posts. We have to believe it about ourselves for it to happen. Mark Twain has a quote, a man or woman cannot be comfortable without his own approval. You're going to achieve self-confidence and self-belief by practicing the confidence boosters that Nicole mentioned, taking action, failing forward, giving yourself grace, and choosing to have confidence in yourself. And when you do that, it will be easier to take your head trash to the dumpster and light that shit on fire. Now, speaking of lighting shit on fire, I have an amazing cocktail for you. It was a special shaker and spoon box that I bought for my husband. If you haven't tried shaker and spoon, you totally should. It's amazing. I'll put a link in the show notes. 
The cocktail is called Crank It to 11. And since last week was all about music and this week we're lighting our, our head trash on fire, I think it works well, don't you? Here's what this cocktail is all about. We are going to light hickory wood chips on fire and inverting, uh, we're going to invert our cocktail glass over the chips and smoke the glass. Totally cool, right? So we take some hickory wood chips, those come in the cocktail box, the shaker and spoon box. We make a little pile of them on a non-flammable surface. I used a cookie sheet and we light that shit on fire. And when they start smoking, you put a glass over the chips to trap the smoke. After we trap the smoke, we flip the glass back over and we add one large ice cube. I used a huge square one from a mold that I had. Then I added a, an ounce and a half, probably a little bit more, an ounce and a half of American whiskey. I used Rowan's Creek. And we add a little cherry syrup from the jar of cherries. We talked about this in the previous episode. Use really good cherries, not the shitty red kind. And four dashes of cherry bark vanilla bitters. That also came in the box. Um, I then used a cocktail stirrer to stir it up and then I added one of the black cherries as a garnish. And when I tell you this drink was fan-fucking-tastic, I am not joking. It was so good. As always, thank you for being here, for listening, for taking time out of your day to be with me. If you haven't yet picked up a copy of my book, This Shit Works, which was the inspiration for this podcast, and you'd like to get yourself a copy, you can find it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends. Now go out there with your badass confident self, and have a kick-ass day. I'll see you next week. Cheers. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a tip. And remember, you can unapologetically be who you authentically are and still be wildly successful. That's a fact. See you next week on This Shit Works. This Shit Works.